Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, folks. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Sandoval. Happy here to talk about our faith, our spiritual health, our mental health, our physical health are all wrapped up into our faith because at the end of the day, we truly do believe that God made us and God made us physical creatures, creatures with a mind and creatures with a soul. So it's important to really touch on all these topics. Um, especially in today's day and age, there's so much going on. I think that there's some hard truths that need to be talked about uh, in terms of us as parents. What do we do with our children as they're growing up? And how does this even relate to the church at all? You know, it's a thought that sometimes we get into and we don't want to talk about, but let's get into it right after we start with the angels here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, that grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, and cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, what do I mean by we as parents need to get into this as we're teaching our children the faith and things that are hard to come up with? You know, it's funny. I think that one of the hardest things that a parent can do is raise an adolescent. You know, we do all these different jokes where we say, you know, I got love my kids oh, when they're little, all these hard problems, they start preschool and they go to kindergarten and want to make sure that they're meeting their little milestones and that they're getting in touch with, you know, their teacher. Are they developing? Well, are they making friends? And so those are the biggest things. Are you able to make friends? Are you able to socialize when they're little? And then as adults, you know, we talk to our kids and we hope that we can have adult type conversations and we realize, gosh, they're just adults now. They're going to have their own thoughts, their own, their own lives. We hope that, are they going to get married? Are they going to find somebody nice? Um, are they going to raise a family? What is it that they, that God is calling them to do? And do they recognize that God is calling them um, to, you know, to a vocation to either marriage or holy orders or something along those lines. But there's that nebulous part in between that I think is handled differently by different cultures, which we call adolescence. Not an easy part of life, not an easy uh, area to navigate. And most parents joke around with me and they say, Oh, gosh, you know, 
I love my kids, but you know, if you can take them during adolescent camp and bring them back when they're an adult, that'd be so nice. <clears throat> it's funny because that's uh, that's probably the part where it's hardest to really understand our children, and yet at the same time, that's probably when they need us the most. That's probably the the, the most important formative years because there is a transition between childhood and adulthood. There is that transition where the body's changing, the mind's changing. And what do we do as, as parents? What do we do in this world? I honestly think that when we look at what's going on in the church right now uh, with this whole idea of the synod and all these different ideals that come up and all these thoughts, I really feel like it's a Catholic adolescence because it's it's like almost a rebelling against uh, what people would say, the establishment, what's there. And sadly, sometimes people see the church as a business as an entity. Um, and that's how it's run. I mean, there's no question about it. There's it, there's finances involved. As soon as there's finances involved, you're dealing with a business. And as soon as you deal with a hierarchy where there's positions, not the way Christ left him. Christ left a very understood hierarchy, a spiritual hierarchy. But when we start looking at titles and people want to move up in the world, and we call it clericalism, um, they want to move up into the, the ranks of the priesthood, that's going to get tainted. I think that when we start looking at the world that way, there's an adolescence that never matured, that never stopped to say, hey, what does God want for me? And I think that when we're raising our kids during their adolescent years and early, early adult years too, we got to bring them back to, hey, let's come back to not what are the rules that I'm setting, not what are the rules that the world is setting for you, but what are the rules that God has already set for all of us? Because I think there's a part of us that never really felt like we grew up, not in a bad way, but in a, in a way of, there's a part of us that's always that little kid that, that's always going to be looking for either approval uh, from our own parents. That never stops. Our parents never stop being our parents. Um, but there's that part of us that really wants to know, hey, am I doing things right? Did I do it okay? Did I raise my kids right? Did I not? I think it all starts as we start transitioning to that adulthood when we have to start making decisions for ourselves. It's funny, recently, um, all this came up for me because recently I'm raising my my oldest uh, child and they're getting into junior high and the question about, do we have a phone? Do we not have a phone? Do we, are we allowed to uh, play video games with our friend online? Are we allowed to have social media? Are we allowed to do different things? And for many things, no. And for some things we need to talk about because the reality of the world is that this is how friends connect nowadays. There is a social media out there. There are phones. We have to use them all the time. We have to text message each other, or we do. And it's a great way of communicating if we're communicating the Catholic truths. And then there's the question of, well, what else, what other kind of communication is out there? You know, does everybody have my best interest at heart? We don't know. So recently, you know, my kids, they only have, there's one phone for the kids. There is a phone for the kids. And what's the purpose of that phone? Well, as they're getting older, the oldest, especially, you know, going into uh, sports or having to go on trips or whatnot, it's an emergency phone. That's what it is. It's, hey, you need this phone because if there's an emergency, we need to get a hold of you. If you're at practice and it got canceled, text me, let me know. If you found out that, you know, your game got moved or something, let me know. Whatever's going on, it's much easier to handle that way. And that's strictly what it's used for. But there's no question that, hey, my friends kind of want to talk to me or, or, you know, my friend's parents, can they have the number two and stuff like that? Well, absolutely. As long as I know the parents, as long as I said yes, and as long as it's approved, let's see, let's see what we can do there. Um, I think it's great to have that communication. We can't live in a bubble either where we say, gosh, you know, you can, you can only be in your room and, and that's it. There's nothing else going on for you. 
Limits though, what are some of the limits that we set? No social media. There's no no reason for an adolescent, I think, to have social media, especially if um, you look and see what the content is on social media nowadays. You look and see what what's going on there. Uh, I had to do a deep dive myself. I'd never really gotten into social media. I had a uh, you know one of these network pages, and I set up an account because my buddy really wanted to connect that way. It didn't really work. Never look at it. I don't go on any social media websites. I know that for spreading the Catholic truth and the truths of the faith, I think it's great. I think if you're mature enough to handle it, that's wonderful. But I think if you're an adolescent, when I started looking at what's on social media, how social media is used, there is so much out there that is not Catholic, not moral, to be quite frank. And at the end of the day, too easy to access by anybody, really. Even if you put on firewalls, I was reading about different firewalls and different things. And so I told my daughter, no, you can't have social media right now. There's no reason for you to be posting, never any reason for you to be posting pictures of yourself online. Talk to mom, let her do it the way she does it with, with uh, her family and friends. And it's a very limited group. But when you're an adolescent, what pictures of yourself can you potentially potentially want to put online? It doesn't make sense, uh, at least for me at this stage. I'd love to hear a great argument about it. But either way, the funny part was when she said, hey, why not? Uh, can I talk to my friends sometimes online? Okay. We don't have phone lines. We don't have the phone at home anymore where, you know, the, the phone rings and it's a family phone. Everybody kind of has their cell phone nowadays. I know some households do have the 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 phone at home but didn't work that way for our household and so we said sure you can have a phone call you can you can talk to your friends supervise for uh, with us and it's going to be timed you know you want to call your friends and their parents say it's okay but you got to do it somewhere where we're together you know you're here you're accountable um and you get about 10 minutes you know because i remember you can stay on the phone for hours talking about nothing it's early on in life but then the question came up can we call the boys or can they text us Hmm. Now you have guy friends. You guys hang out at school together. Okay. That's interesting. Let's see. Who are these boys? Do I know them? Ah, yeah. I know you. I know them from, you know, first grade, second grade, from when you were a little younger. Now you're in junior high. Okay. Let's see. Who are these boys? What are they doing now? What do you guys talk about? Same rules apply. You can call them, but we got to be there 10 minutes. Depends on who they are. Can they text you? Maybe, but we got to have access to all the texts. Are they mature enough at this age to do that? Well, here's the great part. This is this was a great reminder for me that adolescence is a time of change and um, testing, and that really human nature doesn't change. This is why I equate it to to the church. Um, we're sitting there, and my daughter gets a text, and uh, she gets an interesting text where a young man's warning her, or warning her friends. It was a group text, warning all of them, "Hey, be careful! Don't type this word into your computer because." the word naked might show up. And all of a sudden, didn't little did he know that I was going to be checking the phone? And I said, hmm, is this really a conversation that needs to be had? Why would you even mention this? What's the point? So many different things came to my mind. So right away, daughter, please come here. Let's talk about this. Let's see how we handle this situation. Well, folks, we're going to be coming up on the break, but what happens when your kids go into adolescence and you start having these conversations? Boys start having conversations with girls. Girls start having conversations with boys. And human nature takes over. I think it's the cycle every generation, every year. And I think it's the same with the church. I think it's a church made up of human nature. God made us that way. And we're going to be adolescents in many ways. We'll talk more about this when we come back from the break. 
All right, folks. Well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. As always, happy to be here. Your host, Dr. Sandoval. Today, we're talking about Catholic adolescence. How do we navigate these waters? What is it that we do um, to help our children grow up the faith during this time of change, especially in a world that's going to tell them different, especially in a world that's going to tell them, hey, you don't need to follow these old, antiquated uh uh, ideas that your faith is telling you to follow. All you need to follow is what the world tells you. And the world's going to tell you, do whatever feels right, do whatever is good. Before the break, I was talking about an interesting incident that occurred as my children are navigating the world of socializing, of having friends, and more than anything else, having appropriate conversations. So I was sharing a little story. Um, you know, kids are learning how to talk to their friends on the phone and, and have good friendships, especially going to adolescence. And all of a sudden, my child on the cell phone, the kid's cell phone, which my wife and I pay close attention to, started getting these weird text messages in the middle of the night around eight o'clock. My other daughter said, Dad, the phone's going nuts. What's going on over there? I don't know. I'm hearing this weird sound. Actually, she didn't even know it was a phone yet. She said, I'm hearing these weird sounds over there. Well, the phone was on vibrate buzz or whatever it was, and it was alerting that these messages were coming through. And so I said, hang on, let me find this. So I found it, and I opened it. I said, oh, it's getting messages. I didn't know it was grandma. I didn't know it was my uh, you know, my mom or, or my brother texting the girls because they do that. They, they're they learning how to uh, converse with family members and they got, we know who's on the phone and who's allowed to do this. But lo and behold, I pick up the phone and I look at the text messages and all I see is the word naked. And I said, what is this? Well, in the friend group chat, which we keep an eye on, um, young man from the school, good friend, good kid, know the kid actually, give him benefit of the doubt, was nicely warning the girls and including my daughter in that little friend group that if you type the wrong word into the computer, autocorrect is going to make it say naked. So watch out. And initially I thought, well, that's pretty funny as an adult or something interesting, but really go back to the mind of the, of the adolescence. Was that necessary? What are we hoping to do with that conversation? Are we planting a seed? Are we just trying to open up that conversation to the wonderful world of intimacy that we're still starting to explore and learn about as adolescents? Um, it's an interesting, interesting dilemma. Dad, dad gear took over. And I said, um, dear, come here. What is this? Could I have handled it differently? Maybe, but she got embarrassed and she's like, dad, I don't know. And she felt like she did something wrong. And the first thing I did was reassure her, Hey, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't send this text message, but it opened my eyes to asking questions. What kind of conversations are you having at school? What do you think this nice young gentleman meant by sending this text message? Do you do you guys talk about this stuff? And she was actually very embarrassed. She was surprised. And she said, no, we never talked about this. I don't know why he sent that. Um, and then we said, okay, well, sorry, kiddo, but can't have a conversation with these kids. If this is what's happening, either on text messages. It's really, it was really unnecessary more than anything else. Um, but it, it's kind of planting that seed, kind of, it could be opening the door. It could be very innocent just saying, no, listen, Guys, be careful because you don't want to type this in. As an adolescent, the little things seem like a big deal. We don't have that maturity to say, okay, brush it off. No big deal. I don't have to pay attention to that, which we hope as Catholics uh, to do that all the time in our present day and age. So many things are being thrown our way that hopefully we can say, you know what, that doesn't pertain to me as a Catholic. But the challenging part is that's where temptation comes in, right? That's where we're not able to brush things off. That's where things are presented um, to us. And we think we know better than God at that point. So what did I have to do at that point? Well, sat down, we had a conversation 
And the first thing I wanted to do is know what's in her heart. Sweetheart, what happened here? What, what is this? Explain this to me. Hopefully we can have an open conversation about that, an honest and open conversation about that. And another thing else, she's aware that I'm aware. And so we had a conversation about how, you know, these things are normal, natural. I don't know what uh, the intent was of this text message, but it's not appropriate for a group chat. It's not going to lead. What kind of conversation is that going to lead to? Um, what are we opening the door to, especially as adolescents? And she was embarrassed because she said, we'd never talk about that. And she's all, it's kind of embarrassing. And I would never talk about that with my friends or anything like that. And she turned to me and she said, I mean, come, would you as a guy talk about that to girls or other guys? And I'm like, all the time. That's unfortunately what happens when you're an adolescent, when you're an adolescent boy. Uh, I said, this is kind of how it works for the, for the boy brain. You know, boys and girls are built, are made differently. There's no question about that. And I told her, uh, we just had an honest conversation. I told her, medically speaking, scientifically speaking, boys are built uh, very visual. And so the idea of naked or the body, especially in the adolescent mind, is where our bodies start to change, is very intriguing for young men. Very, very intriguing. In fact, it's so intriguing that some young men never grow out of it. And it can become a problem later on in life when they can't stop looking at images of the naked body. Um, we didn't get into too much detail. She's not there yet, but explain to her the general idea. Um, but I realized for my kids, over, you know, we ask ourselves, am I sheltering them too much? Am I teaching them too much? What is age appropriate? And I always say one day at a time, you know, what's in her heart at this point? What does she understand at this point? Uh, and that was the important part. She totally got it, totally understood. Yeah, this is not appropriate. No, at least for a text message. Um, there's no need to to start bringing up those type of conversations. That's the kind of conversation that those kids can have with their parents. And she was mature enough. I told her, you're going to have to tell them, you know, when you're at school that they can't text anymore or call anymore. Or, I mean, they haven't really called. It was just text messaging. And it was right away, too. It was like, kid, you blew it within a day. You know, if you wanted to get a hold of me, talk to my daughter or anything like that. But I told her, you're going to have to have this conversation with them and let them know that that wasn't very respectful and that your dad said that that's not appropriate. Um, and that your mom said that too. It wasn't everybody. Well, turned out she went to go talk to them. Um, and she goes, that was a really hard conversation. I go, yeah, it is. It is an awkward conversation. She's all, they, they felt pretty bad. Like they felt guilty. I said, good. That's a good sign. They should feel guilty. But I told her, you know, you taught them something very, very important. You taught them, this is how I want to be respected. You taught them, this is not what's appropriate. And it's going to make them think twice about either texting you or somebody else. And in fact, you taught them something else because by letting them know, hey, my parents were not okay with this, you're reminding them that you're part of a bigger group. It's not just you, but if somebody's going to interact with you, if somebody's going to have a friendship with you, a relationship with you, they've got to learn how to interact with your whole family. They've got to realize that it's not just about you. It's about you and your parents and your family and what's acceptable within your family culture. And daddy does not feel that that's acceptable. What are your intentions with my daughter? What are your intentions with texting that message? That's not how you treat my little girl. This is where dads have to remember we have that responsibility. Actually, spiritually speaking, given the authority that we have, it's our responsibility to protect our daughter's virtue. You know, And what that means is, who is she dating? Protect her virginity until she's married. Absolutely, that's our responsibility. People don't want to hear that. But based on the truths of the Catholic faith, there's no question that as a dad, you're in charge of taking care of your family as the head of the family, not just materially, but spiritually. And those are the things that are spiritually important. Are we teaching our kids the virtue? Are we teaching them how important their sexuality is? Are we having that conversation with them? 
just in an appropriate way. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people think, gosh, if I have the conversation about sex with my kids, it's got to be like pornographic or something. And that's nowhere near the truth. In fact, that's probably the farthest thing from the truth. The truth is we just have to have an open, open and honest conversation that I didn't make this, God did. And this is what God made it for. So I think one of the important things is, <clears throat> as parents, the first thing we got to do is we got to pay attention to the shifting culture. The shifting culture for us is technology, social media. You know, kids nowadays, if you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? They say, I want to be famous. I want to be a YouTube star. I want to have my own blog. I want to um, have my own videos. I want to, I want people to love me and like me and have a million gazillion friends online and, you know, whatever it is to be out there. That's the culture. That's the culture nowadays, unfortunately. You know, when people can become famous because they make a video of themselves uh, engaging in sex and sell it, and then all of a sudden they become stratospherically famous and billionaires, well, what's that teaching my kids? You know, what is it that you need to do to be important in this world? Or how do you value yourself in this world? You know, nowadays there's so many accounts where women just sell pictures of themselves. You know, and that's all it is, scantily clad, obviously. You know, is that what what example is that for my kids that's what they're seeing that's what they're that's what they're going to see that, that that's uh, important to the world that's the shifting culture what do i tell them is important in our catholic faith so one the shifting culture is important and as we look at that what is it that you're going to see out there but as i look at that what i really want to tell her is what are the obstacles here to heaven when we look at this, what's going on in the world, what is the obstacle to goodness, to heaven, to beauty, to truth? Because that's what the soul really needs. You know, all these other things, yeah, sure, money is a great tool. And if you have a lot of it, it can lead in many directions. Usually, for the most part, I don't see it leading in to holiness necessarily, um, because that's just not what's portrayed. I don't doubt that it can. And boy, I tell God, if you ever want to drop a billion dollars my way, I will show the world how holy we can be with a billion dollars. <laughs> we can use it for a lot of good, actually, you know, but money can corrupt people too. There's no question about that. There's no question that money's kind of funny that way. And our quest for it can easily, easily make us compromise our morals, make us compromise what we feel is important or what we've been taught is important. But this is where it comes down to, what are the obstacles to goodness? Well, the first thing I would say is an obstacle is, who are your friends? There was a saying one time that I heard, I don't know who it attributed to, but I remember hearing it all the time in my in my youth growing up, and um, it was it was in Spanish. In Spanish, it's, dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres. And in English, it translates into, tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. That's very important to consider. Um, it was very important for me in that moment to tell my daughter that I don't think her friends are bad people at all. And in fact, I told her, you don't necessarily need to stop being friends with them. But these limits that we're going to set are going to teach them how you expect to be treated and where their responsibility lies in that friendship with you. Because if they're going to be in a friendship with you, they're kind of going to be in a friendship with the whole family. This is where you come from. In our Catholic faith, it's kind of the same thing. I think that we go through a Catholic adolescence when we talk about syn synod on synodality and how can we open the doors to the church and do things apparently that might go against our faith. How do we start to say that, you know, we need to change the catechism and things along those lines. It's very adolescent thinking, if you ask me, um, because we're not going back to, well, what is the family that I belong to? The truths of the faith, the deposit of the faith. 
Where did that family come from? Our family's in heaven. This came from Jesus Christ as our brother. This came from God our Father. This came from the Holy Spirit. The truths of the faith, where we say marriage is between a man and a woman, where we say these are the limits of sexuality and how it can be used, where we say this is how we interact with each other, and where Jesus says, this is my church and this is how I leave it for you. Please take care of it for me until I come back. We can easily be capricious and have an adolescence and say, I'm going to rebel against that. I don't think so. I'm going to, those aren't the rules for me. Well, if you want to live in my household, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if we're going to live in that household, there's certain rules that we need to follow that were not set by me. You know, who are my peers? Who are the peers of the bishops? Who are the bishops hanging out with? Before we used to think, oh my goodness, you know, a bishop's a bishop and they're, I can trust that they're going to carry on the faith. And, you know, as I get older, I realize bishops are human too. And some of them are going to want to rebel against the faith. That's the reality of life. That's just how it goes. What bishop do I want to listen to? Who is going to teach me the truths of the faith? As we come on the break here, we're going to talk a little bit more about adolescents raising children and how to navigate the adolescence of the Catholic faith. Oh, but before the break, I wanted to say, don't forget to sign up for our Spiritual Warfare Conference. If you go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, coming up in March. All right, folks, well, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Before we continue on with our show today, we're talking about Catholic adolescence. How do we raise Catholic adolescents? And how do we navigate our faith when it seems like the church is going through changes that might be a little capricious and a little bit adolescent in nature? Well, before the break, I was also saying, hey, don't forget to sign up for our Spiritual Warfare Conference. It's going to be coming up March 15th and 16th. It's going to be at St. Joseph Church in Pomona. Uh, you can go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org, uh, and you can click to register there for March 15th and 16th. Space is limited, and it's already filling up. I know it's all, it's coming up in March. We're in uh, November here, but it's already over 50% full. So make sure that you sign up for that. The other thing is, don't forget, we um, are always doing things with our website, changing it up. <clears throat> we can You can always donate um to our our radio show it's important to get the good sponsors where we're going to get um unsugarcoated catholicism just the clear catholicism as terry says with clarity and charity all right folks how do we navigate adolescence before the break i was talking about the different obstacles to goodness beauty and truth that our children are going to face no matter what i think it's important to know these within the context of our culture and the first thing we were, I was going to say is, who are your friends? Remember, who? tell me who you're hanging out with, and I'll tell you who you are. Whoever your friends are, that's who I'm going to identify you with. If you tell me you're a good Catholic, but you like to go hang out at the New Age Church instead of going to Mass on Sundays, nah, I don't think you're very Catholic. Well, what's the Catholic Church ask you to do? They ask you to go to church, go to confession, um, live the sacraments, live a sacramental life, uh, be virtuous, to read our Bibles. Yeah, I'm Catholic, but... As soon as we say, but, then I got to ask myself, who are you hanging out with? What do you do on Sundays? I like to go to see God in the sunset. I like to go and hike because that's where I see God more, but I'm Catholic. Well, that's not what the Catholic Church dictates. That's not, those aren't the, the rules of the Catholic faith. Are you really Catholic? You and your friends like to go hiking and all that, and that's where you find God. Okay, well, you got some kind of nature thing going on, but that's not Catholic. Or if you tell me, no, me and my friends, we go to a holy hour, and then we stay for mass, and then there's, you know, socializing afterwards. Oh, you do it at Catholic Church? Yeah, we do it every Sunday. That sounds pretty Catholic. 
What do you do? You read the Bible. Okay, great. You read, go to confession on Saturdays. Hey, you receive communion. That's what the group does. We follow the catechism of the Catholic faith. If I come in and I say, you know, I want to change the rules of the catechism because eh, I don't like them. They're a little too hard. Okay, you can change the rules. You can keep trying to change. You can uh, challenge the the faith, if you will. I think it's healthy sometimes to ask questions about that, understanding that God set the rules of the faith. But it's always healthy to ask questions. At the end of the day, though, it's dad's rules, right? It's my house, my roof, as we say. People don't like to hear that. But it's no different than with kids. You know, you can come here and I can, mom dad, and dad are going to tell you what the rules are of the household. And, you know, if your friends are going to talk to you, you got, who are your friends? Who are, are they respectful? Well, yeah, but, you know, they don't like the rules of your house. They 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 feel that we should be able to call you and, and or that they should be able to call me and text me anytime um, if my kid tells me that. No, my friends, they don't like um, that I have these rules to follow. If they were to say that, I'd say, well, one, they have nothing to do with our family. Two, I don't know that they're really good friends of yours because they're not respecting that that part of us. And three, you are going to get to the point where you're going to have to make a decision. Are you part of the family or not? You know, th these are the rules of the family. This is what we do. These are our traditions. This is what we do for Thanksgiving. This is what we do for Christmas. This is what we do, you know, throughout the year. This is what we do for birthdays. Those are our family rules. Well, Dad, I don't want to follow that anymore. Okay, well, this is the way the family runs. We're going to keep running it that way. Yeah, but I, I don't know that I want to be a part of that, or I don't want to follow that. Well, then do you really want to be a part of that? Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of part of that family. Well, do you come and hang out with us? Do you follow the rules of the household? This is really what it comes down to in our faith. You know, this is where the adolescence comes in, where it's it's funny how we challenge that. We kind of want to get away from our family for a while, or our parents aren't cool, or we got to find our own path, we feel, only to grow up and realize no, that's my family. You know, as you get to an adult phase and uh, I see this in therapy all the time, parents never stop being our parents and our siblings never stop being our siblings. And really our family unit never stops being our family unit. And so, you know, as we go through questions of synodality, if we go, go through questions of, you know, people trying to change the faith, the faith isn't going to change. We got to make a decision. Do we want to be a part of it or not? Do we want to change it? Because you can change the rules all you want. But at what point does it stop being the family? Does it stop being the Catholic faith? My my kids, if they want to change the rules, at what point does it no longer resemble what our family was like growing up and what our rules were? That's what's going to happen. You eventually try to change the rules of the Catholic faith. You eventually try to change the catechism. You try to you know alter it to make it a little bit more palatable or less uh, shocking or whatever effect it's having on people. It's going to happen that way. And, you know, you can change it. But at what point do you say, wow, that doesn't even look Catholic anymore? Nope, it's not Catholic. Got to go back to being Catholic. Oh, yeah, that's what Catholicism is. And for a lot of people that happens, I mean, I could see it with my kids as they grow up, get married, they could rebel, feel like they need to change the rules or whatnot. But all of a sudden, they start having their own families, they start having their own kids, and they start to realize, wow, I want my kids to know who their grandparents are. I want them to know where I came from. I want them to know the family and they go back to the family and the rules and guess what happens all of a sudden you become a parent and you realize oh my gosh my parents were right i'm raising my kids and i'm telling them i sound just like my parents i realize what's important hopefully we were raised in a healthy environment hopefully we're raised in a loving environment that we want to actually give that on to our kids and i think it's the same with the catholic faith now what else is important for teenagers adolescents as we're coming in there never fails it was important for me growing up 
it's important for the kids of today growing up music you can't not get away from music i think it's it might seem silly but it's important for me to know what is the music that my daughter's listening to we've had conversations about artists and music and hey dad my friends are listening to all this other kind of music and th these are the artists they're listening to and i say hey that's great let's sit down and let's actually listen to what this says let's let's hear the song and so some songs are okay and i said i told her hey some artists they're going to have good songs and some of them are going to have you know good songs and bad songs in the mix you got to know what you're listening to i'm not saying that people are bad i'm saying what is the message that they're sending out there oh dad i love the music the lyrics don't matter okay well if the lyrics don't matter then put in lyrics that insult you or put in lyrics that are degrading or putting lyrics that you know if the lyrics don't matter what's the difference and she says well no you can't put that in there so they do matter so the lyrics of the music do matter the song is beautiful but what's the song really saying so we actually sat down and we listened to some music and i said you know what's this song saying and she got kind of embarrassed she's like oh yeah i see what they're saying there they're not talking about very good relationships between men and women shall we say i said yeah that's the lyrics of the song the beautiful music very catchy tunes but the song itself the lyrics the message that you're hearing in the background subconsciously is going to send you know it's going to send messages to your brain that are not within the catholic faith that's important to consider but we sat down and did it together down the road you know i'm not going to be responsible for what kids my kids listen to when they're adults but they're going to have heard the message here same artist different song and i said this is a beautiful song great message message about friendship about forgiveness and about saying sorry great song same artist i said this is what we're going to have to navigate as we're adults it's interesting when i think about that and how impactful music goes because i remember it made a whole difference uh, to me as an adolescent all the different groups i was listening to and the songs i was listening to and i can't say i was always discriminant about it i mean i, I liked a whole variety to be honest with you when i was an adolescent i went from ca classical music to heavy metal interesting uh you know array very eclectic um but as i started listening to the lyrics i realized some are good some are bad now i never got into the really dark dark metal that some of my friends in high school were listening to because that was actually satanic blatantly satanic no question about it satanic it was lyrics to satan so that i never got into but even then if you say well i'm not going to listen to those if you listen to the other you know uh genres of, or the other groups within the genre of something like a heavy metal there's usually sex drugs and rock and roll gotta be uh careful what you listen to but believe it or not there are some christian bands people find it controversial because they say you know that sound doesn't really lead me to heaven um that sounds not going to inspire me to get closer to christ it's not gregorian chant that's for sure but if you listen to regular pop music you can have beautiful sound and horrific lyrics it's important to navigate that as catholics even as adults to say hey music's in the background and usually music in any culture is, lets you know what the culture's thinking that's what it is what music's coming out that's what the culture's thinking because they're preaching to the culture they're they're uh influencing the masses and people want to buy this music because they want to hear it people can say the lyrics don't matter but 100 percent the lyrics matter the music can be beautiful instrumental would be great change the lyrics if it's not appropriate or or um within our christian faith within our values but then i would ask myself would it sell remember music is uh it it teaches it teaches us what the culture is doing so that's very very important to consider in our church do we not see that how many people say oh i don't like to go to that mass because i don't like the music they play in there or i like to go to this mass because they play this kind of music now that happens to me all the time too where i say i really like going to mass where there's gregorian chant or i really like going to mass where 
Um, it's not the rock teen uh, mass uh, with drums and, and electric guitar. Uh, why? Because what does that have to do with Jesus Christ? If I'm going to mass, I'm going to go worship Jesus. Is the music bringing me closer to Jesus? Gregorian chant definitely puts me in a place of peace. Some people don't like it. They find it too sleepy. Praise and worship music. A lot of people say, oh, it's a praise and worship music. To me, it makes me feel like I'm at a concert. It doesn't make me feel like, and this is my own personal take on it. It doesn't make me feel like, yeah, I'm here to worship God. Where is it that God exists? It's something that we need to ask ourselves, you know, uh, as the church shifts. But this is part of the adolescence of church. We can't say music's not important because people will have very, very big arguments on music, the music played in the church, the kind of hymns that we sing in the church, you know, it's, it's extremely important. So what's another thing that's going to be important in our adolescent culture? Well, now we're going to talk about entertainment. So we talked about peers, talked about music, but we're going to talk about entertainment more in the in the visual uh, realm of the internet, movies, TVs, things of that nature. We talked about the internet because I consider texting kind of the internet as well, though it's more of a phone conversation, written conversation. But on the internet, what are the popular websites? What are our teens looking at? I see this within our Catholic faith too. What are the popular Catholic internet websites? There's some that it's the extremes. We can see the Catholic church being played out. There's some websites that are gloom and doom that say, hey, it's all over. Um, I find Marian apparitions fascinating. I find prophecies fascinating. I think it's amazing uh, to talk about all that stuff. You know, different people talk about their strange worlds. And I think Jimmy Akins has a, a really cool podcast where he talks about interesting things. Um, really, really, really cool about, you know, supernatural. And I think that that's amazing. All right, folks, welcome back to the Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about adolescence. And are we Catholic adolescents? Are we making um, growth? Are we are we growing in our faith? Really, is as the question at the end of the day. It's okay to question our faith. It's okay to ask why things are. It's okay to ask why uh, God set things up the way He did. You know, we'll never really know until we come face to face with God. But as we're growing in our faith, one of the challenging things about um, seeing conferences from our bishops or seeing you know our our bishops uh, um, having different ideas, uh, trying to do what seems like become more popular or more modern or or fight each other. It's hard to see our elders do that because it's kind of like mom and dad, um, you know, fighting or not, not being on the same page as kids. We look up to our parents as people who have it all together. And as we grow up, we realize we don't um, all the time, but hopefully there was a maturing. Hopefully there was a maturing that took place. And I think that that's where, um, we look to our bishops to say, hey, you guys are supposed to be the most mature in the faith. You guys are supposed to be the ones that have been ordained to a place that is closest to Christ, that is closest to the original apostles. You're in line with the apostles. Please just teach us the truth. Please just tell me what Christ really means. Please give me Christ's opinion, not your opinion, but tell me what Jesus is saying, because that's a lot of what I don't hear about when we talk about synods or we talk about different things, a lot of it's speculation. Sometimes, you know, before the break, I was talking about different Catholic websites and some of them are doom and gloom. Some of them are, you know, all uh, talking about how the faith needs to change, but so many different ideas that we get out there. And at the end of the day, what I want to know is the truth. That's what we're entitled to. That's what, that's why Christ came. And as bishops, usually if I'm listening to different bishops speak, the first thing I want to hear from them is 
look, this is what Christ said. This is what Christ taught. This is what I agreed to when I became ordained a bishop. I agreed to die on the cross the way Christ did. That's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, if you look at St. Peter, St. Andrew, all of them crucified, just like our Lord. And that's what our Lord told them. He said, if this is the way that they treated the master, how are they going to treat you? You know, there's no question about that. So when it comes to the truths of the faith, I want to hear from the bishops, the even if it's hard to, to hear, no, you can't do that. No, that's not what God wants you to do. I think as parents, we are the elders, shall we say, in our household. I think we got to do the same thing for our kids. You know, when it comes to raising my kids in their adolescence, I got to sit down and tell them, hey, this is what's going on with the internet. What movies are you watching? We do this all the time. Nope. You know, you want to watch a movie? Hang on. Mom and dad need to watch it first because we need to see what's going on with that movie. We need to see what it is. I think nowadays a lot of parents forget that, you know, we say, oh, what's it rated? Oh, it's rated PG. They can watch it. But we forget what PG means. We think PG means okay. You know, oh, it's rated PG. That means okay. No, PG stands for parental guidance. Is there a whole lot of parental guidance going on with the TV? And if we notice nowadays, the stuff on the internet, the movies, the TVs, even cartoons, it used to be easy to say, hey, let the kids watch cartoons nowadays. You know, they can rate them whatever they want. Nothing's PG anymore. You know, PG-13, well, you really shouldn't watch this without parental guidance and until you're 13. You know, how many PG-13s are out there for, you know, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, and parents are like, eh, it's okay. Did we stop and say, well, why, why would they rate this this way? What's the guidance that's needed by parents? If the movie's all okay versus G-rating, general audience, means anybody can watch it, no big deal. And even then nowadays, I look at that because I'm like, I don't know exactly what you consider a G-rating. You know, who's rating these things? The, the morality, the rules have changed. The important thing, though, is even though the world's rules change, I can look at a movie and say, I don't care what it's rated. What they just showed right there is not appropriate, no matter what the rating of the movie is. It could be a G rating. It could be an R rating. But, you know, somebody not following a virtuous life is never okay, regardless of the rating. Or somebody, you know, performing acts of violence is not going to be okay. Got to teach that to my kids. I got to sit down and watch it with them. Does that mean that they don't watch movies where we have to guide them? Yeah, all the time. But mom and dad actually sit down and say, what just happened there? Let's think about this. Let's look at what's going on. The other thing that's important to consider is um, how do we stop um, bad teaching? Because, okay, so we navigate all this. We navigate the movies, the TVs, the radio, the, the music. But then I'm sending them out into the world. They're going to school. They're going to, uh, even if they go to Catholic school, I sit down and we go through, what are you learning in religion class? What's good catechesis? What's bad catechesis? Nowadays, even if you're in a Catholic school, I'm not sure what your teachers are teaching you. We need to sit down and say, hey, what did you learn in religion today? What are you learning this year? What's the book telling you? Is it even within the Catholic faith? Did they explain this part? Because this could be kind of confusing within the faith. What I realize is I have to teach myself a lot of the times. Hey, let me see what they're teaching you. Oh, you know what? I don't remember what the church said on that. Specifically, I remember the idea. I know how to follow it. But let me go back to the catechism. In fact, come here. Let's sit down and let's look at the catechism together. This is going to guide you the rest of your life. Do we do that? It's really hard. It's hard to do it because we don't have the time all the time, because we don't have the resources, um, because we might not even have a catechism in our home. And I think that's the first thing we need to do as parents is one, realize kids aren't going to do anything unless they see me do it first. 
And this is where it gets very powerful. That's an important thing to consider when you're sending them off to school and they're supposedly learning or when they're around their friends or I need to know what are you learning from your teachers? Are your teachers teaching a good moral life? Are they teaching uh, morality in, in the school? If you're going to Catholic school, you hope so, but I double check. If you're going to public school already, there's no sense of religion or being religion being taught. So it's doubly incumbent upon the parents to say, hey, what is it that we're teaching? What does it mean to be Catholic? We don't stop doing that. My question is, from the church perspective, are we so adolescent in a, in a church perspective that we can't hear the truth from the pulpit? One of the biggest challenges I have going to um, mass is, what did the priest say? A lot of times after uh, church, we'll sit down with the kids and say, okay, hey, what'd you get out of the homily? Well, I was sleeping or I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, of course. Well, what did you get out of the readings? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, let's go through them again. But then there's other times where we say, what did you get out of the homily? What did the priest mean by this or that? And they'll say, I don't know. And you know what? Sometimes I say, I don't either. I think they were trying to be nice. Why were they telling a story about their goldfish when they were younger? You know, I see the point they were trying to make. And it was a, it was a nice story. But overall, what did it have to do with Christ? That we navigate waters and that sometimes we don't know where we're going and that we're stuck in a bowl, but we're really not, you know, okay, I see how you're trying to make connections, but what's the point? How did this lead me to Christ? I think that a lot of times we're not getting taught the straight Catholicism from the pulpit. Because priests, priests are afraid to. We have a big congregation. A lot of times people will complain about father said this or father said that or father, if father teaches from the catechism, there's going to be big complaints. How do we know that? We see it all the time. We see it with our good friend, Bishop Strickland. You know, you sit down and you just say, you use the words deposit of the faith. You open the catechism, you read a few lines and all of a sudden it's not okay with the Vatican. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense as a Catholic who says, hey, this is the faith. He's not telling me anything different other than to follow Christ. He's not saying anything different other than, you know, let's be adults here instead of having a synodality, a capricious synodality uh, of, of rebellion. Let's look at what the church is actually teaching and what we're supposed to follow. Are we in love with Jesus Christ as a church? And that's really the bottom line. That's the bottom line when we're talking about the church. That's the bottom line when we're teaching our children. That's the bottom line for ourselves. Do I love Jesus Christ or not? This is where it's okay to rebel sometimes. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to not understand. It's okay to go through growing pains. It's perfectly part, normal part of human nature. It's okay to do that when we were growing in our physical bodies. It's okay to, okay to do that in our minds as we say, why is this the case or not? You know, there used to be all these bumper stickers of question authority. Sure. And that's a very good adolescent mentality because you're not the authority yet. So if you're going to question authority, it's great to do that. But then at what point do we say, yeah, now we have to mature. And now even in our souls, we have to mature. Is Did our soul grow? Did I, did I help my soul grow through the phase of adolescence and reach a maturity that realizes, you know, I'm not following the bishops. I'm not following the Pope. I'm following Jesus Christ. And that's what I hope to tell my children. And that's what I hope that the adolescence of our church gets to, where we realize the faith was given to me. It's I take it on, but it's is it my faith really? Did I set up the rules? No. These are the truths of the faith. And I there's a reason why they were in place. There's a reason why these rules were in place. There's a reason why Christ told us that we need to follow him and not the world. 
because there's a goal. There's a goal of eternal life. What are the goals of following dad's rules? There's going to be peace in the house. What are the rules of obeying mom? There's going to be peace in the house. That's the ultimate thing that we want. Don't we want peace? When Jesus first came back from the dead, the very first words he said to the apostles were, peace be with you. There's an incredible lack of peace in this world. There's an incredible uh, um, turning to war right away, knee-jerk reactions, uh, immediately blaming each other. There's a lack of peace, and that peace is not going to be found worldwide until we accept Jesus Christ in our hearts. For everybody, there's no question about it. It's about Jesus Christ. That's what I hope that my children understand. Look, you're going to go through so many different feelings, so many different emotions. You're going to have friends. They're going to say silly things. They're not going to know what they're saying. They're trying to figure out life too. They're trying to navigate the waters and figure out how to talk to girls. And you're going to figure out how to talk to boys. And as Catholics, we're going to figure out how to follow our faith or not follow our faith or what we need to do about it. But at the end of the day, hopefully there's a growth, a maturing. It's not that we're not going to have our road bumps and our speed bumps. Look, sweetheart, you're going to make mistakes and it's okay, but I'm here. I hope that you can come here and talk to me about it. I hope that you have enough trust in mom and dad that you realize, will we be mad about certain things? Absolutely. Will we not be happy about certain things? Absolutely. Are we always going to love you? There's no question about it. But at the end of the day, did we mature in our faith? Did we find that love for Christ? That's the bottom line. That's real spiritual health, mental health, physical health is, am I healthy enough to recognize the truth of, the, of Jesus Christ, the truth of God in my life? That's what I hope to tell my daughter. You know, as you grow up, you're going to meet different people. You're going to um, hear about different ideas. You're even going to wonder why are other religions around and how come I don't follow that religion? What's the truth of um, following the Catholic faith? Why does that even matter? Um, you know, why can't I be Buddhist? Why can't I be Muslim? Why can't I be all these other things? At the end of the day, what's the truth? What's the truth as Catholics? Hopefully as Catholics, we can rebel sometimes, question sometimes, but mature past our adolescence. Hopefully we can realize that the truth is Jesus Christ and that we're going to navigate our lives in that direction. For my kids, you know, hey, we're going to keep talking. You're going to keep making friends. And based on who your friends are, that's the group I'm going to tell you who you're with. Are we going to be Catholic? Do you want to stay with your Catholic group at, at the at the church? You know, these are important things to consider. And for us as Catholics, hey, how much do I really want to be Catholic? Or do I want to follow my own faith? Well, folks, we're coming up here at the end of the show. We've got 30 seconds left. That's always, it's been a pleasure. Feel free to uh, email me. And that's uh, drdr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. If you have any questions on mental health, physical health, spiritual health, and we can continue to grow in our faith. We can continue to seek out the Lord in the Eucharist, in confession. No questions about it. And until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval saying, as always, hopefully, like Terry says, God love you, but keep it captive.